2: with Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, December 9th, 2020, season 16, episode number 76. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We've got 45 minutes to tell you guys what went wrong yesterday for the Dallas Cowboys, and there was so much that went wrong yesterday for the Dallas Cowboys. They lose 34-17 to the Baltimore Ravens. I think we all picked against them uh, going into this game, so I don't think it was a surprise that they lost, but there were certainly some moments where you felt like they missed opportunities and and maybe they could have made this more of a game than it was. We start where we normally start the day after a game with big-picture storylines coming out of the game. Nick, let's start with you. What's the big-picture storyline for you?
4: Well, I mean, they were outclassed, outplayed, outcoached, outhit, you know, just everything, really. I mean, I thought their offense didn't play very well at all. The defense was way worse. Special teams wasn't really good other than one play. And you add all that up, and you get – Somebody that scores twice as many points as you, and they have twice as many wins as you. So it just, it, you know, they were, they were, you know, and, and there was some crazy stuff happening way before kickoff. But when it got to actually playing the game, and they decided to play, they got, they got beat by a much better football team.
2: Amber, what's your big picture storyline? Big picture, well,
0: that someone needs to get fired, hmm. and. Probably one. Let's go. A lot of people. <laughs> Probably. Okay. On the def- on the defensive side of the ball, especially. Uh, no, the defensive uh, coordinator. I mean, this is. I feel like this game, and we've been talking about this throughout the season, but I feel like this specific game was maybe like the tipping point where people are just like, okay, there absolutely needs to be a change in coaching because. And I know we're gonna get into this, but we cannot just blame everything on the player. The coaching, for whatever reason, is simply just not working. So maybe this is something that obviously is not gonna happen this year, but for next year in the off season, I would expect some changes.
2: Dave.
3: Yeah, I mean, AG went, AG stole my thunder, I guess, I don't know, because I think my, my big takeaway is Like, what do we always say about football teams? What do we always say in the NFL? Like, December is when you're trying to round into playing your best football. Good football teams are supposed to improve as the year goes along. Specifically, the Dallas defense, what on earth was that? Because, like, we saw this trajectory of them. Maybe they're not great, but, like, slowly getting better, making improvements. And then the bottom just completely drops out. They look just as pathetic as they did back in, like, October when we thought they were never going to win another game. And honestly, leave the offense out of all of it. Like, the offense honestly looked pretty decent. Andy Dalton played well, I thought. He got the ball to eight different receivers. Zeke had a, a pretty nice night, all things considered. The offensive line held up. Greg Zerline misses three kicks, but they were in position to score, you know, 26 points. But what about that defense? Like, Embarrassing doesn't do it justice, especially in December, after we've already had all of these growing pains. They just revert right back to where they were against the Arizonas and the Washingtons of the world. I, I'm at a loss. And yeah, I mean, how can you look at that defensive performance and, and think that you can just run it back? Like, what's the excuse there? Who's, who's hurt on defense that's not allowing them to play their best game? Um it's mystifying and and embarrassing. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know how else to say it.
2: We will uh, we will let's let's dive into that a little bit more. Actually, uh, one of the things that I think is is a big picture storyline for this team, and it's been a consistent theme is they really can't stop the run. It was very apparent last night. They give up almost 300 yards, 294 rush yards on 37 attempts, an average. This an average of 7.9 yards per carry. It's almost eight yards per carry. Every time they ran the ball, uh, that's just, it won't do. And, and the interesting part about it is, you know, there were, there were all these different things that I look at and I, I'm just like baffled by, and this has been an all-season thing, that are, that are about the scheme. Uh, One of the things, and and this is funny, we were watching the game last night, Dave, you were sitting right there by me, Mickey was sitting across from us, and this drove Mickey absolutely crazy, that you get teams that present a 12 personnel, so they have two tight ends on the field, or they have a fullback on the field, and Dallas will notoriously stay in their nickel, like they are not moving off of their nickel, they're going to keep that extra defensive back in there. And when you think about that, you're basically allowing the other team to overmatch you. Like Mm -hmm. You're allowing them to have more power on the field than you do. And when you're playing a power-running team like they were playing last night, it just makes no sense why they would do that. But Mike McCarthy says after the game, he says, we're pretty far down the road to blame it on scheme. He's not blaming it on the scheme. He obviously is saying that there's more issues from the standpoint of execution in the players. My question for you guys is, is it believable that all of these players on defense that were here last year all of a sudden can't play football anymore? Or is it more believable that there's been something changed from the standpoint of what they're being asked to do that is causing them to be not as good as they were even last year? Let's start first with you, Amber.
0: It's it's so hard because for me, and I don't play football. I'm not on the field, so I know we see from the outside, we see things differently. But for me, it looks so simple. It looks like, okay, this is football and doesn't matter what kind of scheme you're playing, you should be able to play it. Like you're a football player, you get paid to do this. So I I just, don't talk to me about scheme. Simply the coaching, whatever they're doing, they're not being able to get their players to play at a decent level. And the thing to me, when I watch the defense playing and like look at highlights and all that, they just absolutely look lost. Most of the time, they just look confused. They don't have the anticipation. I talked about this last week, and it's every time I look at plays, every single time, it's like they're always a step behind and they're always just being confused at what's going on on the field. There's not a good reaction time. And to me, that has been the problem. I don't... I don't really know what to blame it specifically on because, again, we look at last year, these players were able to perform better. We were still criticizing the defense last year, but they were playing a lot better than they are this year. So there has to be something to do with the coaching and them not just not getting the players to be right where they need to be.
2: Dave.
3: Yes, Stephen Jones actually—he uh, had a radio appearance like right before we came on. He he said something similar where he was like, you know, a lot of these a lot of these guys were out here last year and we didn't look this bad against the run. And I mean, if Mike McCarthy doesn't want to blame it on scheme, that's fine. But I, I, like I said, it was mystifying. Like I'm at a loss for how to explain it otherwise because these these breakdowns have been and continue to be unconscionable and that's you know Derek I was arguing with you and Mickey last night is like who cares how many linebackers they have on the field when the linebackers just completely bite on basic play fakes like Leighton Van Der Esch Lamar Jackson's thirty-seven yard touchdown was just—it was just a read option. Like it was something that every high school team knows how to do. There wasn't any crazy eye candy or motion or any of that stuff. He just put it on J.K. Dobbins and then pulled it. And Leighton Vander Esch ran himself five yards out of the play. Darian Thompson was in the box, so there's no backup, and he's in the end zone five seconds later. Like that's—it just shouldn't happen and to an just- NFL team, and it's a perfect. Sorry, go
2: ahead. No, I was just going to say, you just answered your own question with regard to that, though, in my opinion, because if Darian Thompson is not in the box, and let's say he's back and that's a linebacker there in the box... Then maybe there's a chance that either that other linebacker makes a stop. Maybe he can get off a block. He has a much better chance of getting off a block than Darian Thompson does. And you still have that safety back there that can come up and fill in the event both the linebackers miss. So my point is, I still just feel like in those kind of situations when you're playing a run deep, a run offense that plays power run football, you want bigger guys on the field. You want more of those bigger guys on the field so that you have better opportunity to maybe make those stops. Mm-hmm.
3: I just want my Pro Bowl middle linebacker who's supposed to be in the middle of my defense to to make a better read. And, and Leighton, to his credit, owned he owned it last night. He was like, that's 100% on me. I second-guessed myself. But the, the, the frequency with which that has happened this season is absolutely unbelievable.
4: Yep. Nick? Um, we got kind of far down there.
2: What's your question again? Well, the question is, is it more believable? Is it more believable? Now, Nick has uh, been on a flight all night, guys. Well, so give him a little bit of a break. First of all,
4: okay, yeah, I, I, okay, I got it. Um, you know, there are, there's not the same team. I mean, this is not the same defense at all. I mean, whether they've missed a couple of really big free agents, um, you know, that, that left, I mean, Byron Jones being one of them. But, but some of these guys have taken a step back, you know, And and I think the one player on defense. That's probably been the big – I don't know. You guys are going to say Jalen, but, I mean, he's made some plays this year. You can't say that about Xavier Woods. He he makes zero plays. And he doesn't – to me, he doesn't understand the sideline. He doesn't understand that a sideline is his 12th defender. And he he just makes these plays, and then he gets beat. That's happened two games in a row. And, like, if you get him back to the inside, you would think you'll have some help – that could make the play. I mean, he doesn't make it any plays at all. And so I think
2: that that's it. And he doesn't, he seems like he gets a pass. No, I he doesn't. I, I think people are killing him. I mean, people are, I, I'll put it like this. Oh, my God. I, you know, no, I, I said last night, I tweeted that uh, you, I'm sure you guys probably saw on TV, they showed that one image of all four of the defensive backs <laughs> kind of sitting on the bench together. Impressive. And it, it looked really like they were just sitting there like they'd all lost their best friends. And, and what I got back in tweets from people. Mostly targeted Xavier, and they. I good. think it's because most people believed that of all those guys, he still had the the chance to maybe turn out to be a player that could be a player for them long term. And I think everybody after this season has come to the same conclusion that he's not the answer.
4: Well, you know, when Romo made the comment he made about this, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You know, he came back the next what seven, eight, nine years and was a pretty good player. So it's like, oh, uh, okay, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: But when you make the comment Xavier Woods made, and then you he hasn't he hasn't come in and, and done anything about it, it, it still hangs over your head, yeah. you know. And so that's that's unfortunate. But they just you know they don't have any safety that make play. I mean, their best guy was out, so it is the scheme. And Amber's right. What fault that, is that? They have to.
0: The Cowboys. The Cowboys. They've known it. this for years.
4: I don't know. What are you saying? Sorry. What are you you're you're saying about sorry. safety? Like they need to go get a safety. Yes.
0: I mean, I don't yeah. know. Oh, Probably yeah. not.
4: Yeah. Quit acting like you could just go. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to name any stores because we're, they're not sponsors. But you can't. You know, <laughs> you can't. You can't go down the street and just get a safety and just yeah. think, oh well, I'll just we'll just get one up. Oh, oh, hey, where are you going? Oh, can you get a safety for me real quick? Okay, thanks. That doesn't work like that. It's not milk. You got to. You gotta put some. You know, investment into it and. They don't do that, so there needs to be a change at defense. I bet you, I bet it happens before
2: the end of the season that they'll change the coordinator. Is that what you're saying? And that's
4: going to be tough. That's easier said than done. Why? Because the head coach—that's his buddy
2: at some point well, it becomes you're right, at, right some at some point it becomes you know you just can't continue to do it right and and my thing is even if even if you buy what mike mccarthy said that it's not the scheme itself like there are not flaws in the scheme itself my thing is then that points even more to the coaching yeah, and i think that's the point that amber is making too is if you have a team and your team isn't able to buy in and do the things that you're asking them to do then as a coach you got to figure out a way to either change it up or put them in a different situation. You had at some point realize they aren't capable of doing what you're asking them to do, and that still comes back to coaching.
4: Yeah, but you know, to their credit, they didn't really, you know, have a lot of time to prepare for this game you know i mean it wasn't like they had two full <laughs> weeks it wasn't two weeks okay it was like 12 A little days less than two that's weeks. not
2: two weeks yeah. to prepare but it was herky jerky they didn't know when they cuz you so they were trying to prepare but they didn't know when they were actually preparing to play so that does kind of affect what you can do right
0: yeah well remember remember guys what mccarthy said he wanted to make sure they did not over prepare for this game because it could actually hurt them great point so they they you know
3: i actually I got in I got into an argument with some people last night just about like the talent level on this defense relative to other teams and you know technically the Cowboys you know they they let Byron Jones leave Taco Charlton did not become a good player so they really only have one first round pick on this defense mm. I don't care they have absolutely invested a decent amount of of resources into this defense when you think about Cheeto, Jordan Lewis, Leighton Vander Esch, Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, like they don't have the talent to be elite but we know that they have the talent to be pretty good because we've seen them do it, like they were middle of the pack last season, they were a top 10 defense somehow in 2018 I I have no idea how that happened in light of what we've seen the last two years, but I, I don't want to hear that, I do not want to hear that they don't have enough talent, I'm not asking them to be incredible, I'm asking them to be... Basically, I came into this season... Obviously, we didn't know everybody was going to get hurt. But I came into this season saying, if you can just be mediocre or a little bit worse, this team has a chance to be pretty good. And they're not even close to being mediocre. And that is that is a coaching failure on every conceivable. Don't come to me about the COVID stuff either because... The New York Giants have a new coaching staff with a first-time head coach, by the way, and are rounding into decent form for their talent level. Like Without their best they've offensive They've won five player. of the last seven games. As, yeah, they I mean, they went on the road to Seattle and beat Russell Wilson with Colt McCoy, largely because their defense played so inspired, which, go ahead, name the best defender on the New York Giants, right? Badass stud that the Giants have. I guess they have Leonard Williams, but he is certainly not. You know, he ain't Aaron Donald. Uh, so please, please do not talk to me about the pandemic. I do not ever want to hear that again. Yeah,
2: Sorry. They're... Anyway, what? I mean, that's a thing. I mean,
4: no, it's it's I mean, oh, a thing. no, no, no.
2: I, okay, no, well, that's not it. That's no. Not it. I, think I, know,
4: the, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, no, it's, but it's a thing. I mean, it's uh, it 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 affects. It affects teams. I mean it affects the Cowboys. I mean, it definitely affected the Cowboys.
3: In what way? Let me let me rephrase. Obviously it's a it's a big I'm not saying that we don't need to talk about COVID nineteen no, ever again. Saying. We're talking about football. And there are considerations that you've gotta make. Of course it affects everybody, but like nobody else seems to be handling that adversity as poorly as the Cowboys
2: are. That's that's my only yeah. point. I think that's the point because, by the way, the Dallas isn't dealing with things that other teams aren't dealing with. Yeah. You want to talk about injuries? Other teams are dealing with injuries. You want to talk about COVID? Other teams are dealing with COVID. You want to talk about a new coaching staff that having to deal with right. no offseason? Other teams are dealing with that, and they're dealing with it better. And so that's the point I think some people are making, and I think I agree with, is that this team is not handling adversity very sure. well. And, and again, it's it's hard – because you look at it and you say one of the best things, in my opinion, about the previous regime in Jason Garrett was that they tended to handle adversity pretty well. They didn't handle success well, but they tended to ha- handle adversity pretty well. And this team just seems to fall apart when they face adversity.
4: Yeah, there, there's there's too many resources now on the like th- this thing blew up on them because they keep putting resources on the offense to have the best offense in the land and maybe they could have if everything, you know, fell into place. But it didn't, and the injuries were, you know, just kept, you know, piling up. And then the offense was supposed to carry the defense because and I, I don't think they have enough talent to win on defense, but they knew that going in. They knew that because they, they were the offense was supposed to carry them. But when that didn't work, and that's a bad that's a bad plan because you got to be you got to be balanced. You can't just say, I'm going to be a right-handed fighter and just punch, punch with my right hand. And then when you break your right hand, then then you can't do anything. So it it was a bad, bad concept to start with. And, you know, I think they should have put more
2: resources on the defense, clearly. Let's take our first break when we come back. We do need to talk about Des Bryant and we need to talk about COVID because you mentioned that. And it did, it certainly was a part of the conversation last night prior to the game. And I think it'll probably be a bit of a, of the conversation about this team for the next few days, at least, as people keep an eye on what happens. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio.
1: There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision. Essential Blue for protection and Grisal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys
4: Don't miss the virtual Christmas extravaganza presented by Albertsons and Tom Thumb. The most electrifying holiday show of the season can be watched on Dallas Cowboys Facebook and Twitter on December 11th and the December 24th at 6 p.m. Central or on demand at
2: dallascowboys.com slash Christmas. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Des Bryant last night. He was planning to, p- to play the Cowboys. It was going to be the first time he would appear in a game against his former team, very excited about it, as, as indicated by the, the interviews he did before the game and, and the excitement you saw from him as he was warming up out on the field, the little images that you'd see of him out there warming up on the field. And then we find out, not to mention from Des himself on Twitter, that uh, he tested positive for COVID and was no longer going to be able to play in the game. Um, the way it all went down, according to reports um, from Tom Pellicero, was hmm. – He had an inconclusive test earlier in the day, had another test that was also inconclusive, then got a final test that that revealed he was positive at the point when they pulled him off the field and told him that he had to go home because he had now tested positive for COVID. My first question is more on a personal level. What did you feel for Dez as as this all went down? Because as we all know, he's a very emotional guy, and this was something he was looking forward to, an opportunity just to get out on the field and show his former team that he still could play.
4: Nick? Hated it for Dez. For Dez, I I hated it. I know he wanted it uh, so bad. And, you know, anytime you get that close to a game like this, and I think you know everybody kind of wanted to see the matchup, so we hated it for all of us. But, um, I mean, we'll get into why it went down like that. But for Dez specifically, I, I you know, I hated it for him. Dave.
3: I'm sure I'm not speaking for every Cowboy fan in the world, but I think I'm I think I'm speaking for a lot of people. Like I didn't have high hopes that the Cowboys were gonna win that game. I didn't have high hopes that it was even going to be a very entertaining matchup. But I was excited to see Des Bryant play football. And even, you know, even if that came at the expense of the Cowboys, you know, that that was like a bright spot where, you know. It's like a, it's like an old friend, and it, it was going to be weird, but it would have been really fun to see him have a moment, like I said, even if it was at the Cowboys' expense. So I hated it for Dez. I hated it for us. Uh, it was, I mean, it's just classic 2020 that it's just one more bitter disappointment. And then on top of that, it was really just, I mean, that's Dez Bryant in a nutshell. Derek, you were kind of saying that during the break is – the guy the guy just can't help himself. Uh, he never he never has been able to. It's an endearing thing sometimes, and it's also a problem sometimes. It's like, maybe, maybe put the phone down, Des, but that's that's him. To to a to a T, that is Des Bryant, and you gotta you gotta love it, I guess. It's just it's very typical him.
2: The phone and or the wine. Amber, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs>
0: He keeps it entertaining, I mean, I mean, we we like drama, we like watching, but no, same thing as these guys said, it sucks, and when I heard the news and saw it happening like on TV and all that, I was like, man, what are the freaking odds of that, that of everyone on the field, Des happens to be the one that this happens to, and I'm not saying, oh, hope, I, I would have hoped that it happened to someone else or anything, but Not at all, but at the same time, out of all people, this happens to Des. So it it just sucks. We all knew the emotion and and the excitement that he had going into this game and for him to be warming up on the field. And then you get pulled out to get tested again. You're like, what the heck? So it's just it's crazy the way that it went down.
2: Yeah, the interesting part is I actually think that last night was... A perfect illustration of why Des Bryant is, was no longer with the Dallas Cowboys. I think uh, what we saw last night was how he is, a, he is a highly emotional player, a highly emotional person. When things are going good, that can be a good thing for you. When things are going bad, he tends to just not have a filter, and he puts it all out there. And that's what we saw last night take place on Twitter. Once he got back home and he had his phone in his hand and he's sitting there then he just kind of starts just throwing everything out there, and and it just it feels as though that's the kind of thing that, in a locker room setting, can be a, a distraction. Because when things are, are going wrong, the last thing you need is people just kind of losing it. You know, you need people that kind of steady and know how to pull back and say, okay, right now I don't need to say anything. I need to just let things lie for a second, let my emotions come down a bit. And then I may say something when I'm more controlled in what I say. And I don't think that's who Des Bryant is. I don't know that he'll ever be that person. There are good sides to that because, and Nick, I heard you say that on the radio when you were talking about him yesterday, like him being a leader, he brought that energy Mm. when it came to those practices. When you're 10 days into training camp and it's starting to get to a point where guys are getting tired and they can be, be monotonous, he's the guy that would show up and challenge enough guys to where it made for good practice. Right. So it goes both ways. Like there's good in it and there's bad in it, but at some point it can be a little bit too destructive.
4: Yeah, without a doubt. And and it was there. And you know, I think uh, you know it was going to be his night. You know, and, and I don't, not to say he was going to have a huge game or whatever, but this was going to be his stage. And, and and you know, it got taken away from him. And and you know, I I don't know all the details there of why it went down the way it did, but you know, somebody messed up on this. I think. You think? Well, yeah. I mean, don't you? I mean, don't you think somebody messed up if he's over there? And he, no, no, I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> somebody messed up. I'm just going to be firm on it. Because, because he went and hugged too many people, too many players, too many Cowboy employees, too many Cowboy players. He, he went and, and did all of that. And then all of a sudden, that's a problem now in the middle of the game people are talking about that we've got uh, the, the trainers on the sideline dealing with that also and things were different on the on the flight back home i'm not sure if it was because of that but yes yeah, somebody messed up if they allowed this guy with two tests that were pending and then all of a sudden the third one comes back
2: see and i what i, wh- where I where I'll agree with you is i don't know if someone messed up or if the policy is messed up because what i mean by that is If the the policy doesn't say, my opinion is, if a guy has an inconclusive test on the day of a game, until you give me a a negative test, you shouldn't be around anybody. That's how I look at it. Now, I don't know if that's what the protocol says, and, and maybe the protocol doesn't say that, and so nobody messed up. But the protocol may be messed well, up here. This whole
4: thing is erring on the side of caution. I
2: mean, yeah, everything right. we do. That's exactly why it doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. because everything else is just like, hey, we're gonna do whatever we got to do to make sure we're, we're being as safe as we possibly can be under under the uh, under this scenario. Right. But the fact is, if a guy has an inconclusive test, it, the fact that he's allowed to just kind of go and warm up on the field and interact yeah. with people. Go ahead. We'll, we'll call me, you if it's bad. Yeah, that to me says that, that maybe that's just not a great policy if that's the policy.
4: Well, then that whoever writes the policy messed up. Okay, that guy. Okay, we can agree on okay. that. We can agree Warner on that. Them,
2: yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this: Is, is there? Maybe the same guy that changed the game from Monday to Tuesday. Hey, here we go. Um, do you think that there is, or at least will you guys be keeping a close eye on what happens with this team for the next few days? Because obviously there was some contact uh, now, and just to be clear. The science around this, as much as the science they know about the science from the things I've read, suggests that you don't necessarily get it just by a happenstance contact with someone who has COVID. It typically happens when you have prolonged, when you're in a setting, prolonged period of time, typically indoors, where you then uh, ha- are more susceptible, let's say, uh, to getting the virus. But all that being said, and obviously the NFL has contact tracers on all these players. They know how long any of them are around sure. each other. Um, so they, they kind of know. And that's why they, they supposedly the game was allowed to continue is because their contact tracing mechanisms suggested that nobody had been in that kind of close contact that would have necessitated them sitting anybody else down. But with that being said... Do you think there is at least caution at this point with regards to the Cowboys players uh, heading into this week? Dave, let's start with you. I mean, there should always
3: be caution. That should be the name of the game with everything they do. And I mean, you know, for I feel like you, you got to give the Cowboys a pretty healthy amount of credit because they're, they are on a short list of teams that really haven't had a ton of problems with this. Like, they... They I mean, they the Cowboys have not been responsible for these types of situations so far this season, not on any sort of, you know, Andy Dalton caught it, but they managed to limit that. So uh, obviously you should be cautious. I'm I'll i will say what I said to you, Derek, last night is I don't think it's super troubling. Remember, this team played a game against Vance McDonald and he had it and they came out OK. Mm-hmm. The game was outdoors. Everything we know suggests that being outdoors helps a lot in terms of, like, mitigating the spread, but that wouldn't make me feel any better if I was a guy that had hugged Des Bryant last night. I know that for a fact, so, yeah, I mean, you're going to want to be cautious and keep an eye on it for a few days, but... I'm cautiously optimistic that this won't be a huge problem for the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Dave, because I know we all probably know people who have had COVID. I've had friends who have had it. And to me, and, and one of the things that, that a lot of them have told me is <laughs> the, the craziest part about it is the mind game. Because you're sitting around and you're like, you have a little shortness of breath and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, is this like the am I going to need to be in the hospital by tomorrow? Or, you know, you got this, this, you know, this cough, this little cough. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, is that it? Like, is this the the telltale sign that now it's about to tip? And so it is. It's that part where maybe there's some players that maybe had that interaction that they know the science says they're probably okay. But in the back of their minds, now the mind game starts of every time you feel something a little bit weird in your body, is this COVID? Is am I now infected? And you start wondering about those things and then it becomes some of those things kind of start really playing with you after a while.
4: You think Lamar was like, uh oh, I'm only gonna rush for ninety-four yards against the Cowboys in about ten days or, or we're only gonna <laughs> we're only gonna score three touchdowns against them. You know what? I don't know what he said in the postgame, but like if he said, Man, I was only seventy five to eighty percent, I mean how demoralizing would that be? Jeez. If he was like I wasn't really back to hundred percent yet and you're like, Oh man.
2: Well you saw the, the their offensive lineman that was in the camp after the uh, touchdown that was, just like terrible. easy money like that those uh, are the kind of things where when you're yeah. playing like this I mean it, it you want somebody on that defense to just be like look we're not going to be a laughing stock so hey if, uh, you know and this is gonna sound really bad guys so excuse me if we're gonna lose the the, the game we're not gonna lose the fight. So, if that means we got to knuckle up at some point in the game, you got to knuckle up. Because at, at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose the fight, too. Like, it's just, you're not going to disrespect me. You're not going to treat me <laughs> like I'm just some random person. I'm, like, I, I'm just not going to let that happen. And it doesn't seem like they had that kind of fight. They got you know? one
4: guy that wants to do it 99.
2: 99, yeah. True.
4: That's it. Yeah. Antoine, yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back from the break, uh, we're going to get into some moments that mattered from the game. There are, Each one of us are going to go through and talk about a moment that we thought mattered most in this game. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio.
4: We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping
3: airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen.
2: Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's go.
3: Cream soda, and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and cream soda. A
1: delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor.
3: The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing. The star where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020,
2: Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's
1: just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide.
2: Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope.
4: Six decades of Dallas Cowboys football is the official book marking the team's 60th anniversary and featuring never-before-seen photos, recaps, and results from behind-the-scenes stories. Now the top 60 players in Cowboys history is ranked. It's the perfect gift for every Cowboys fan. Get yours today at shop at dallascowboys.com or wherever books are sold.
2: Our very own Kurt Daniels and Nick Eatman did a phenomenal Jeff job. And, and, Jeff and Jeff Sullivan. Sullivan. Uh, did a phenomenal job with that book. and so Thank if you, you get a chance to get it, it's a great it'll be a great Christmas present for any Cowboys fan, especially those longtime Cowboys fans, some really great stuff in there, mm-hmm. some really great breakdowns of, of different moments in history and players in history. So uh, if you want to have a comprehensive his- history of the Dallas Cowboys, great book to pick up and mm-hmm. uh, pass on to the the Cowboys fan in your life. All right, let's get back in. let's uh, let's talk about some moments that mattered. There were as as my co-host here, joked with me before the show i i've laid out a lot of them. there are there a lot of moments in this game that mm-hmm. that mattered there are a lot of moments and, and to be honest with you there are a lot of missed opportunities in this game i think the dallas cowboys had opportunities to to maybe even win this game, you could make that argument because there were so many moments that had they been a little more disciplined, had they made a play that was there and available to them, had the right call been made on the field, they would have put themselves in position uh, to possibly be in this game and maybe even win it. But we're going to go around, and I want each one of you guys to give me the moment that you thought mattered most. Amber, let's start with you.
0: This might not be the moment that mattered the most, when you look at the game in general but to me i think that Lamar Jackson's rushing touchdown in the first quarter was the the moment that mattered the most to me because i was like okay here we go again this is going to be one of those games and prior to that touchdown the ravens were able to run the ball in a few plays pretty well as well but it, it was still like okay we're still in the first quarter and maybe the Cowboys are just kind of warming up but as soon as I saw that touchdown and the way it happened how he was completely wide open like he just had the whole thing to himself and he just ran all the way forward I was like okay I guess it is it is going to be one of those games where the defense is simply not able to stop the run so to me that was the the one moment that I was just like okay this is it basically even though they were still not out at that point of the game,
4: you know I, I think interesting part of that play too is it was third and fourteen before that, and the Cowboys. If you look at their defensive alignment, they, they pretty much were standing about fourteen to fifteen yards off the ball to make sure that they didn't give up a first down. But okay, Luke Wilson caught a pass for twelve yards, and if you saw, I don't know if the cameras caught this, but but Lamar Jackson like adamantly told you know the coaching staff keep the special teams off the field, punt, kick field goal, whatever. We're going for this. We're going to score a touchdown, probably, is what he said. And they did. But but I thought the 12-yard – I mean, she's right. That was a huge moment. The play right before that was big because it just gave them enough to say, all right, we will go for this. We can get this.
2: And they scored. Yeah, I, I will mention this, too. And I was talking to Isaiah Stanback last night. Uh, he was here in the building. We were you know, talking about that play in particular. And, and we were talking about it, I talked about it a little earlier in the show, the fact that the Cowboys decided that they wanted to go with the, uh, go, they, basically they stuck with the nickel, they had only two linebackers in the game, they had Jalen lined up outside, they had LVE and, and Darian Thompson in the middle, and, and so there was really basically once LVE took himself out of the play by getting completely tangled up. Um, and then Darian Thompson, he had no shot when this offensive lineman gets onto his body. He has no shot of being able to do anything with that. And my thought was, what do you? why would you do that? And he actually made a good point. Isaiah was like, look, from a schematic standpoint, he was like, I used to be a running quarterback. And what teams would do, and it's a really good strategy, is they would try to line it up and match it up to where they had two spies on the field, and one was on one side of the field, one was on the other, which would make sense. You put Jalen on top. You put Darian Thompson on the other side, and essentially you got two guys that can that can spy. He said the problem with his that he had with that alignment and and that scheme, or the the players that they had on the field, was that they decided to go man. And you get a quarterback like Lamar Jackson when the, immediately when he sees man. And by the way, the way they were lined up, they basically had zero coverage. There was no safety back deep. All the guys were lined up in man across. When he sees that, he immediately says, "I'm running the ball because none of those defensive backs." are going to see me. They're going to be looking at the defender that they're having to cover in man. So it creates this great opportunity for him to do what he does best, and that was the problem he saw there. And And I agree. I think, again, you can look at this thing and you can come up with a number of different schematic challenges. Um, and personnel challenges um, with this defense that have nothing, in my opinion, necessarily to do with execution. It has to do with putting your players in the right position and I just don't think they're doing enough of that right now. All right, Dave, what's your moment that mattered?
3: Uh, I mean, mathematically, Nick mentioned it at the top of the show. Uh, The third down that Lamar picked up, Xavier Woods probably could have forced him out of bound if he'd taken a better angle. Didn't. Baltimore scores, you know, he finds Hollywood Brown on the next play to go up 24-10. That's 8 in the, the quarter. You know there's no way the Cowboys are making up that deficit with the amount of time they have left. So mathematically, I think it would be that. But I completely agree with AG in the sense that between Lamar's touchdown run, you know, he finds Boykins, I think, for a 38-yard touchdown. Gus Edwards had a 36-yard run. And J.K. Dobbins had runs of 18 and 30 yards. And that was all in the first half. Yep. All of those plays happened in the first half. And um, after – I was just like, they, they will not win this game. Their, their defense – they they cannot win this game. And I think, you know, it was, it was 17-10 at halftime. They had a few opportunities to make it even closer than that. Zerline misses a kick. So mathematically they were in it. But seeing the way the defense was playing, like in the late first – Quarter, early second quarter, I was like, they will not win this game. Not with yep. the way they're playing.
2: <laughs> and you know one of the interesting things? Mike McCarthy said after the game, it was actually a point of emphasis that his coaches were talking to the team about all week, saying we can't give up big plays. Big plays will kill us in this game. You can't give up big plays. And then they go into halftime, and he thought it was, by at that point, there were five, as he defined them, five big plays heading into halftime that they'd already given up. And, and this was after a whole week of, Telling players over and over we can't give up big plays. But again, if you're not giving them the tools to not give up big plays, then you still, you know, you could talk about as much as you want, but it it may not matter. Nick, what was your moment that
4: mattered? I I got a couple, but I'll I'll, I'll leave this one. Feel free to go both. No, I'll just do the one. Um, You know, if the tearaway jerseys were back, the Cowboys might have won this game. Seriously. Hmm. I mean, that was a huge play in the game. (laughs) Amari Cooper. He's rolling. Like, he. if he gets away from this guy that's got him by the jersey, it's just one other guy and there's a blocker. I mean, I'm not saying he scores, but this is going to be a really big play. They're going to get down into the 30, 20-yard line of Baltimore. They're already up 10-7. to seven. And then, I mean, great job. Uh, for making that, that tackle there, Harris made it. Devontae Harris made that tackle. So that now it's first and ten on the thirty-seven. Still in good shape, and then interception, interception. The next play, a touchdown. Um, that it, if he can break out of that, that was that would have been huge. And then the other one, real quick, is CD right before the half. I mean, I, I'm not asking you to be a superhero,
2: but catch it. I mean, yeah. It, I
4: mean, I, I I understand that's a tough, tough play. But it's
2: there. I it mean, is. catch it. And and literally, it wasn't a situation where you know somebody was interfering with no. him. Somebody was grabbing him. I mean, literally, the ball was there. The ball went straight through his hands, and there is no real I mean, it's, excuse it's for it. It's a really tough. It's a tough. It's a tough play. But but that's the kind of play you expect him to make. Did though, y'all right?
4: think Andy had that? A- Andy had that in him. No, as a matter of fact, I was wondering <laughs> why they.
2: I was no. wondering why they were lined up to do it instead of just saying let's just go to half and, and let's just get out of here. But he <laughs> so slung, slung it down there. He absolutely Dang. slung it. Yeah, and I, I just, I was surprised. Were you either you guys surprised that that CD didn't come up with that catch because that's what we expect from mm-hmm. him is to make those kind of plays, right?
3: I'm gonna try my best to be a re- like I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it really good here. This is gonna be some really good cowboy propaganda. Because I think we would all agree, you know, C.D.'s had a great rookie year, all things considered. Like, he's he's lived up to the pick. He's done some really impressive things. Who knows how good his season would have been if he gets to play with Dak all year. But I think he's going to look at this as a humbling experience. Like, because, you know, this he season left that, of that play game. out there. he's This season. Just, he has had moments throughout this season that should humble him. Got and it. say, hey, you're a really good player. You are not DeAndre Hopkins, who is, you know, that's his guy. That's his favorite player. That's the guy he says he models himself after. DeAndre Hopkins made that exact catch yeah. like three weeks ago. Yep. DeAndre Hopkins has performed like a badass throughout the years and not always with a good quarterback, yep. by the way. So if I'm CD Lamb, I'm going out, like, I'm leaving this season saying, okay, I belong, I'm a good player to do if I want to be one of the league's best and uh, I mean you know I've never met C.D. Lamb face to face because of this whole dumb pandemic but just based on my impression of him from afar I feel like he's got the right makeup where you know he's
4: I can be a much better player in year two than I was in year one I mean Dave I'll speak on that you know, because I w- go ahead Amber go ahead
0: Oh, I was just going to say that it sucked that he wasn't able to catch that ball but at the same time on the positive side is the fact that I don't think that many of us expected to see that kind of play happening so the fact that it was something that we didn't really expect we saw Andy Dalton throw the way that he did and it was almost a great play had it been caught by, by C.D. Lamb but at the same time just seeing little moments of, of just opportunities like that that okay you get a sense that okay maybe with some time he's gonna be able to make those kinds of catches and it's gonna be great. Maybe not at DeAndre Hopkins level but close to that so it's just it's good even though it didn't work out this time but it's still good looking forward.
4: One thing I was going to say is just kind of piggyback on what Dave said about CD Lamb. He is his heart, his toughest critic is is himself. I mean, and that's a good quality to have. I mean, no excuses for him. He's had some really tough games. You know, specifically against Washington. You know, if you think about it now, that's two weeks in a row that hit the ball's been in his hands mm-hmm. in the end zone. Yeah. One was uh, ten yards, one was sixty. But still, you know, it's you know, it's been there, and he he prides himself on making that play. So I think Dave, I think you're right about that that is a humbling experience. You're both right. You know he, he he goes about it the right way, and you know he doesn't care about Aaron in some NFL record or or cowboy record for rookie you know catches. He's going to look at the
2: plays that he didn't make. It I think that'll help him as he tries to get better and be one of those best uh, great receivers. Yeah, there's a lot of guys you look at that make that that miss opportunities, and you start worrying about their confidence. I think you can look at him and you can look at Diggs. They're they're similar mentalities, at least from what I can tell from the outside looking in. They seem to be those type mentalities that are going to really. Make Sure. that push them and fuel them to be even better they're not I don't think deterred necessarily by their their bad plays or misplays alright we appreciate you guys joining us we'll be back tomorrow we'll start getting you guys ready for Cowboys versus uh, Bengals actually that game has been flexed down the Cowboys will be playing at noon on Sunday instead of a Sunday I'm sorry no that was a San Francisco yeah. game no this game will already be at noon yeah. But the Cowboys will be on a plane Saturday, Nick, so go ahead and get your backpack. You may not even have to unpack. You just get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Saturday we'll be back on a plane. (laughs) All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. For Nick Eatman, Dave Helm, and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleson. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has
3: been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.
1: How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!